Welcome to Ramble City. Sometimes what happens with artists, writers, you know, people who are serious about their craft, they see some things that are being successful, like the Big Bang Theory, like Frozen, and they sort of turn their nose up and go, oh, it's so commercial. Oh, it's just catering to the masses. And I go, yeah, like, that's what the people want. Give the people what they want. And when you do that, you have the ability in giving them what they want to do that in a way that has your How does an artist sell or market art in this modern age? And does finding your audience, in quotations, all go back to the campfires our ancient ancestors sat around? Hello, welcome to the show. Brandon McCaw here. I hope this finds your ears well. Today's guest is Tim O'Connor, CEO of the Australian-based Harvest Rain Theatre Company, who has won awards as a director-producer working with some of Australia's most respected performers. In fact, his 2014 arena production of Cats, starring Marina Pryor, turned out to be the largest production ever staged in the Southern Hemisphere. So that must have been one pretty big feline. Boom, cha. Now, this was recorded in 2019. I promise no more bad jokes like that are in this. So this is another from The Vault from 2019. And as such, you'll hear I actually don't talk much during the episode. Mostly I just sit back and listen. Tim's philosophies on marketing art were kind of thought-provoking to me at the time. And even though much has changed since we spoke two years ago, he was pretty spot on with where we find ourselves today, which is very revealing, I feel. So a quick reminder to follow us where you get your podcasts for new episodes every Friday. And you can see what I'm up to at my social media channels uh, at Bradley McCaw Official. And do see our show notes for some links to articles uh, by the Smithsonian Magazine on today's topic. We always put stuff in the show notes, so be sure to check it out. And while this chat starts with musical theatre primarily, we do branch out pretty quickly to other art forms and eventually ramble our way to YouTube and good old-fashioned audience building in the modern age. So let's get to it. I'm sure you're chomping at the bit. Here it is. I'm Bradley McCaw, and this is Ramble City. Welcome to Ramble City. Oh, my God, what a fascinating thing to delve into in terms of the creation of new musical theatre. Because that's like a Pandora's box, I suppose, of like what... You know, the question to ask there, I think, is why create musical theatre? Like, you know, if this discussion or this whole podcast or whatever it is is actually about the creation of musical theatre and why bother doing that, um, it, it, it almost goes right back to that campfire. It almost goes back to all the people sitting around the campfire would say, I want to hear this kind of story. You not sitting around the campfire say, tell us your most boring one. That story was long and involved and confused and I just wanted to have a laugh at something. You know what I mean? Like audiences don't always want to be overwhelmed with intricacy and they don't want to be, you know, um, strung along by this really detailed, intricate story. Often people want simplicity. Often people, they want a story that they can connect to as opposed to a story that is eloquently written and told they're looking for 
entertainment. They're looking for engagement. And I, it, I, I always in my own mind sort of do go back to that very base idea of the campfire or, as I say, putting my children to bed at night. They know what stories they want to be told. You know, they can say, tell the one you made up about da-da-da-da-da. They've got a sense of it. They never go, tell that really long, boring thing that was really, like they gravitate towards the story that um, made them laugh, was entertaining, whatever it might be. I also think today, you know, in, in, in today's climate, um, not even in today's climate, in the world that we live in today, there are many ways which we can tell stories. Mm. When Rogers and Hammerstein were writing their musicals in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s, um, the, the movies were new. Uh, television wasn't invented. You had radio plays. You had movies in their infancy. The theatre was where we went. To, the theatre was the fireplace. The theatre was the, the campfire. That was where you went to have stories told to you. Today, you are more likely to go to Netflix for a good story. People are inclined to see stuff on their phones. They're inclined to watch stuff on their television. I mean, you can even see people aren't going to the cinema as much as they used to now because they can get they can get their campfire on their iPhone. Mm. Um, when we say writing new musicals, what we have to sort of ask ourselves is not what new musicals do people want to see. It's actually more about where are people interested in receiving these stories. Um, I, I think the the the, the greatest showman is a really stunning example of, and even maybe La La Land, um, maybe going even back to Moulin Rouge, those, those movies, those movie musicals, um, hit the spot even more than anything that's playing on Broadway because of people's easy access to them. That's just a fact of the world. If, if you were writing a new musical today that you wanted to reach the people. Where is the campfire today? It's it's on the internet. It's it's on the iPhone. It's on Netflix. It's 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 not necessarily on Broadway. And I think there's no accident that Moulin Rouge was a film before it was a show and Frozen was a film before it was a show. You're seeing this transition where it's film to stage as opposed to stage to film. It's flipped. It's actually flipped around. And that's why I think really paying attention to the trend of things I think we're writing. We're, I think we're writing and we're creating for the iPhone. We're creating for YouTube. We're creating for. You've got to. You've got to go where the campfire is. You've got to go where people are willing to receive those stories. Um, the idea of writing for Broadway these days is just so much harder and more difficult than it previously was, and it's difficult for people who have grown up watching Rodgers and Hammerstein, Lloyd Webber, Sondheim, who, who were writing in a period where that was the place where the campfire was and there was a real flow to what they were doing. Mm. Now, that has changed. That, that has remarkably changed. And Pasek and Paul have it right where they are writing for film, they're, they're, they're writing their musical to be presented in a format that the most amount of people are going to see that can then have a larger life. It's the same with, um, I've temporarily forgotten their name, the guys that wrote Frozen who also wrote Have Q. 
Um, Lopez's. The Lopez's. You know, look at that. Like that is where their campfire is. That that is they they put that thing out into the world via, you know, the internet or the cinema or whatever it was, and now it has a life in that traditional sense on on Broadway. But that's where, to me, the whole landscape has changed, and I don't believe it's a bad thing. I think a lot of people bemoan the. The difficulty now of getting a new musical up and running, and I, and I would say to that, it's difficult if you are trying to get a musical up and running in a traditional sense in 2018, in the way that you did it in in 2000, in 1950, <laughs> or in how you did it in 1980, even. Um, you know, people who would look at Lloyd Webber's success with Cats in the 80s or Phantom. If you're still trying to use that method 40 years later. You kind of like that's sort of mad. There's a there's a madness in that. I think in in understanding the world has changed. Things can still work in the theatre. The theatre is still an absolutely lucrative um, uh, way of doing things. It's they, they, things still work in the theatre. Do you get them to the theatre by starting in the theatre, or do you get them to the theatre by starting on Netflix? Because if it was me, I'd be starting on Netflix. Like that's. That's what I would be pitching. That's where I would be. Um, and, God, you'll have fun editing this. You know, we're just talking for a thousand years. You only have to look at, as a comical thing, you only have to look at Miranda Sings as a, the most stunning example of someone who has used the internet to create a global following who then has transferred that into... God, books and Netflix and da 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 and all this sort of stuff. You know, now if she had started that in a little cabaret setting in a thing in New York, no one would know who the hell she was. It's just not the way that things evolve these days. It's 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 not the way that new work um, evolves these days. It's the, the the landscape has changed. Aside from new musicals, it is a challenge to get people to leave their house these days. Mm. It is a challenge to get people to leave their house. You can get your groceries delivered. You can get any movie you like on your Apple TV without leaving the house. You don't need to go to the blockbuster video anymore. The world has changed so dramatically that leaving the house now is like, I have to think that through. I have to think that through as to whether I need to leave my house. I can Uber Eats my meals, I can order my groceries, I can get my movies on demand, I can watch anything I like on YouTube, I've got the whole of my friends on Facebook, I don't need to talk to any of them, I can see where they're all up to, I don't need to communicate anymore, I don't need to go catch up. No, we don't meet at the theatre anymore, we meet on Facebook. Why would I go out? Why would I go out? We are creating a society that does not need to leave their home. So you are essentially when you're creating new work, you're essentially saying, I've got a campfire over here. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm over here. I'm not coming to your campfire. I've got everything I need over here. You want to come into my house and make a campfire? Maybe I'll listen. But I'm not coming to your campfire. That requires me to go out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the reality of... of and, on, and then on top of that, we're also saying, well, for $4.99, you could rent a movie on Apple TV. Or for $145, you could go into the, the city and see a piece of theatre. 
which is basically, you know, 50 times the cost of that one movie. I'm like, oh, geez, which one will it be? Which one will I do? I, I can tell you. I will go, I will watch, I'll stay home. I will stay home. And I say that as a producer <laughs> who has made that decision myself. Do I want to go see that show or do I just want to stay home at Uber Eats? I can tell you which one I want to do, you know, because so there is a larger challenge for writers of new work and everybody in the industry generally, but writers of new work, the larger challenge is not sort of how do I write something that connects, it's where do I put it so that it has the best chance of connecting? And the answer to that is not the theatre, <laughs> not the theatre. Um, give you the example it's dropping into my head and I can't remember the name of it what was the the YouTube thing the Harry Potter musical oh, uh, very Potter or the very po- which was not authorized yeah but that everybody's seen like yeah, that's everybody right. has seen it was on YouTube it was free to access and how often am I running auditions in the real world and and people come in and sing songs from a very Potter musical from YouTube no one's ever seen that thing in the real world ever but Everybody in the industry knows what it is. And I dare say a hell of a lot of Potter fans know what it is. Never seen it in real life. J.K. Rowling's also never seen a dollar from it, so probably not a great <laughs> example in terms of that, but power of YouTube. She's doing okay. I, I think she'll be all right. I think she'll survive, you know, I, mean, I hope she'll be all right. Mm. I mean, it raises the whole question of when we watch High School Musical, when we watch Moulin Rouge, when we watch The Greatest Showman, uh, there's no intermission. So the form is changing. There... They're 90 minutes long, not two and a half hours long. Um, you know, the way people receive this sort of stuff is vastly changing. Go back to Oklahoma. I mean, I had this when we did, we produced Oklahoma a few years ago. And when we were doing it, um, I think Oklahoma is a work of genius. Let that just be said. I really do think Oklahoma is the perfect musical. Still, I think it's so perfect. But structurally, the first act is an hour and 20 minutes long. And the last 15 minutes of it is a ballet where it's, it's like madness now. You kind of go, what is this thing where you're going to dance our feelings for 15 minutes at the end of the act? And it's the 15 minutes where everyone's busting for the toilet because we are used to it being a one-hour first act these days. Once you get past an hour these days, you're like, why am I still sitting in this theatre? This is an hour and 20, hour and 30? Oh, my God, you know. And in the end, at the end of Oklahoma, you have sat there for over three hours watching this story unfold. That's a long time in today. It's not many movies you can think of that run for three hours, you know. And then you've also got to deal with the fact that we're going to watch it for an hour and 30 minutes, which is the length of some movies these days, and then we're going to have a break, and then we're going to come back for some more. <laughs> People aren't used to receiving it in this format anymore. They're not. They're not used to watching things in this format. On top of that, we're also competing with a whole world full of people with a, a severely diminished attention span. Mm. Severely diminished attention span, where we are used to watching three-minute YouTube videos not three-hour-long musicals. Asking people to sit in the theatre and not check their phone for three hours, is, there, are, there is um, sort of clinical evidence, like research done, on people who cannot not have their phone with them for that period of time. They have to check in. So what you're asking people to do is fight an addiction to technology for three hours to watch your show. So do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. That is the whole picture of the general landscape of all things that that as I see it, for me in my world, who I'm not focusing on new work, I'm focusing on 
arena shows of, of, of existing work. As we transition things into the arena, where we take Greece into the arena or whatever it is into a slightly different format, we are conscious of exactly the same thing. People are receiving this stuff in a different way. They're going to the theatre expecting to see cinema. When they go to see Greece in the theatre, they're expecting to see what they've seen on the cinema. They're going for that familiarity. Things are changing. It's just things are changing. And our job is to change with it. Our job is to respond to the changes, to not dig our heels in and say, well, this is how Rodgers and Hammerstein did it. The, the job of new writers, new producers, new directors, new all of them, is to respond to the changes and to, to adjust accordingly. Otherwise, we go the way of the dinosaur. Let's talk about new works on Broadway. You know, in the last 40 years, in musical theatre and on Broadway, there have been, I think, far more prominent works that are essentially not original, that are based on films, that are based on prior stuff, you know, than in the 40 years prior to that. You know, that's the change in the landscape. Disney, Disney has changed the landscape where you're going to Broadway to see what you've already seen on film. You're going in to see Pretty Woman, you're going in to see Legally Blonde, you're going in to see Mean Girls, you're going in to see Heathers, you're going in to see Beetlejuice, you're going in to see some of the most random, Little Miss Sunshine, random stuff that you're like, why is that a musical now? <laughs> like, that's, that's the appetite is I want to see something I know, I want to see something I can trust. And every now and then we get a Hamilton. Every now and then. And I think we all go, oh, it's back. There's an appetite for it. And what I would say to that is, no, that was just lightning. That was, that was just lightning. That is not the rule. That is the e exemption to the rule. Hamilton is just a freak thing. Um, I, have, I have no explanation for Hamilton because I think it shouldn't have worked. <laughs> I think it shouldn't have worked by the rule. You know, That it did is very heartening, but I don't think it says there's a swing back to um, people going to see stuff that's new. Um, if anything, I think what Hamilton did, what Hamilton does, is it was so strikingly culturally relevant at the exact right moment that it like lightning struck. It was all the right elements at exactly the right time, um, which is what you could say of Superstar in the 70s. There's, every now and then you get a lightning moment where it's just the exact combination of stuff at the exact right time. But often what you see winning the Tony, and I'm saying this as a person who does not live in America, I mean, I, I'm not on Broadway, I don't, I'm a bit removed from it all. I often find that when I say what won the Tony this year, the answer is a show you've never, ever heard of before and potentially will never hear of again. It's quite often what is in the list of best musical. I look at them all and sort of go, what, what are all of these? And invariably, they've been successful on Broadway, but invariably we're not sort of hearing of them again in the same way that 20 years ago, what won the Tony, went on to like clean up for the rest of time. That's a change. That's a big change. It's just, just the way of it. Something I'm fascinated personally yeah. is the idea of we are a culture that has taken to this art form that is based on the American personality. Yes. Now, why, why, why does that resonate with us? You have to look in a greater sense about American culture permeating Western culture. Um, uh, I, I think it's a history lesson really in that um, look, particularly in a country like Australia, 
a country like Australia that I don't feel actually grew a sense of its own identity until about the year 2000 when we had the Olympics. I think prior to that, Australia as a country was like, we're like, who are we? I, I don't think we had a strong sense of national pride until 2000. Prior to that, I think what we certainly did as a culture was kind of looked to America to go, whatever they're doing, it's got to be better than what we're doing. Let's just do that. Whatever's happening in London, anywhere else than here, they know what's, let's just import, that's fine. I think we've changed that a little bit in Australia. But I think as a Western culture, in England, in Australia, uh, in, in, any, in any country that has a Western influence, America has, has been the, the leader of popular culture in cinema, in music, in theatre, in everything. And I think the rest of the world, because they have just dominated that, they've had the money to dominate that, they've had the influence to dominate that, they, they have sent that stuff out into the world and the world has lapped it up. You know, I think it used to be called kind of the American musical, I think now it is called the musical, but the form is American. The form of it is from a very American type of entertainment. We just have, it's been a period of time where the world has lapped up Americanism and everything that goes with it in every form. I, 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 the world has followed America. I love that in the 80s, England st stole the format for a while, but it's not an English format. It's an American format. Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh stole the format and actually stole the format. I shouldn't say stole it, they didn't steal it, but they, they took the format and evolved the format and, and then America went, oh, let's do what they're doing for a bit, you know, and, and, and picked it up. And so then I think that was the point where it stopped being an American musical and it became the musical because of this contribution coming from, from the UK. Um, look, I think fascinatingly what is starting to happen now with, um, with what Global Creatures is doing, certainly with what Tim Minchin is doing with Matilda, with what Eddie Perfect is doing with Beetlejuice, I think Australians are having a greater level of influence into the creation of musicals. You're seeing Strictly Ballroom, Moulin Rouge, King Kong, Beetlejuice, Matilda, shows that are coming from an Australian sense of stuff. I mean, the, the world loves Matilda because of Tim Minchin's very Australian kind of humour. I, I think that's the one thing you can say of Tim Minchin is that his, his turn of phrase, his way of thinking is based, it, it comes from Australia, it's, a, it's an Australianism. That's Matilda, mm. a very British story, having great success in America, written by an Australian. It's three nations really contributing to what now becomes this form of the musical. Uh, I don't think Americans can lay claim to it anymore. I think Americans certainly lay claim to the genesis of it and to a good 40 or 50 years of the development of that form. But I think today, what we see as the musical has has been heavily influenced by people from all corners of the globe, and is and is continuing to evolve, like continuing to evolve. Mm. So true. I think that's so true. When mm. you think, because you think about um, Oklahoma, and you mm. look at it at face value, and you say, "I agree. I think it's just a tremendous. It's perfect. It's perfect." It's perfect. But then you look at Matilda and it's totally different. Completely different form. The feel, everything. Yep. Everything the, the, about it. You get the, in, you move the, around yes. and then you go, this the, is a different and piece. The, just the way it's constructed. The but, but also too, it was the English and specifically it was Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh who pioneered the spectacle musical, who, 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 who said, you're not just going to see great songs and a, and a lovely, you're going to go and see 
a, a helicopter fly, a chandelier crashing on stage, people dressed as cats. You're coming to see something mind-blowingly, eye-poppingly incredible, which the Americans had not really done. That, that, that you can't point to anything prior to what they were doing that was that kind of unmissable spectacle. I don't think you'd call Guys and Dolls an unmissable spectacle. I don't think you'd call Fiddler on the Roof an unmissable spectacle. I don't think you'd call any of those musicals prior to that the same sort of thing that you would say of what Cameron Mackintosh was doing, where you literally were, you, you would walk out of Miss Saigon and you're not talking about the amazing performance. You're going, there was a chopper, there was a hell. You walk out of Phantom and go, the, the chandelier crashed. You're, you're talking about things beyond the musical. You're talking about, you know, bigger things. And I think when you talk about Matilda, the mastery of Matilda is you're actually talking about all of it. You're talking about Tim Minchin's incredible writing. You're talking about the incredible set design and, and the, 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 the wonderment of what they created in that set. You're talking about the staging. The staging of that show is just so sublime. It's actually maybe more than actually any other musical I can think of. It is the culmination of, of everybody's contribution in writer, director, choreographer, designer, producer, all of those elements being at the absolute top of the game and the contribution of the English way of doing spectacle, the American way of constructing a musical, the Australian sort of sense of humour and the Australian sort of um, sense of naughtiness and stuff all converging in one musical that, of course, has blown the lid off everything. You know, that's that's kind of the, the, the way of it. But, you know, when you're talking about a new musical, though, what you have to address with Matilda is none of that would have happened without the source material. Mm. No one would have given a rip about it had it not been such a beloved book. No one would have cared. Wouldn't have got off the ground, ever. Would not have got off the ground. And I think you could completely say, well, here's an example. I mean, the biggest musical ever of the last 20 years. You know, Wicked without Judy Garland, Wicked without 1939, The Wizard of Oz, without the movie, without that behind it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I know that, um, when they took Wicked into China. It didn't fare very well. And it didn't fare well because China doesn't know The Wizard of Oz. Mm. China doesn't have that reference point. The Chinese people don't have the nostalgia for 1939 Wizard of Oz that the Western world does. Wicked was such a hit because to some extent lightning strike, but also be because source material, not so much in the book of Wicked, yeah. source material in the beloved characters that we all you know, and the design of Wicked is so clever in that it references the 1939 movie and has its own idea on top of it. And so that Matilda, Wicked, so many of the blockbusters, the things that have really fired in the last 20 years, really, really owe their success to um, nostalgia, to familiarity. Um, and, and look, to some extent you could say that about Hamilton, mm. certainly in, in America. People know who you're talking about when you say Alexander Hamilton. It's a story about the forefathers. I mean, that's like speaking American language. Mm. I'll be fascinated with Hamilton to see how it fares in the UK and in Australia because it is so American. Mm. I'd be really interested to see whether, whether it has the same runaway success. Um, well, why does, why does Book of Mormon run away here? Why is The Lion King Runaway? They're two different, very different shows. You know, and that's, I mean, look, if you knew the answer to that, you'd be rich, wouldn't you? You, you, you know, the answer I think is, look, I would say this. 
I am surprised about Book of Mormon being so successful in Australia. I, I am really surprised about it. It speaks to two things in Australia. Firstly, the success of South Park. <laughs> and secondly, Australia's, uh, Australians are so subversive. We, we, we love the irreverence of, of just that title. Just, just, just going, yeah, I'll go to a show that pokes fun at Mormons. That sounds like fun. That's such an Australian thing to do. Like, you don't even need Trey Parker and Matt. You don't need that. You just need to go, oh, yeah, that sounds like it'll be good. <laughs> that, I think, is what has got it across the line probably in Australia is just the irreverence of it um, kind of resonates. The gentle irreverence of it, I think, resonates. The Lion King's a no-brainer. I mean, we're raised on Disney. We're raised on Disney and... You know, that's that's Mary Poppins, that's any mm. Aladdin. You know, I, I don't think even what they do has to be good. It just has to happen for us to buy a ticket to it. It's like the Lion King, I'm there. Sure, because I know that. I love that. You know what I think it is too? You can't underestimate nostalgia. Nostalgia, my God, nostalgia is a thing. That's the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz is nostalgia. I remember read, I read a thing years ago that said in the 80s, McDonald's um, had this theory that if they could cater to children, if they could rope in children, and they could have Happy Meals and they could have McDonald's birthday parties and whatever. What they could do was they could instill in young children a really happy memory associated with McDonald's so that as adults, happiness would be connected back to a cheeseburger. That was their theory um, in, the, in the sort of 70s and 80s. I know for a fact, for my own self, when I am feeling like I've had a bad day, I want a cheeseburger so bad. <laughs> I gravitate towards McDonald's more than I do any other fast food chain if I am in need of a pick-me-up because as a child, happy times were associated with happy meals. The same can be said of The Lion King in a musical form now. I want to take my kids to The Lion King because I went to see The Lion King as a kid. I want to take my kids to The Wizard of Oz because I went to see The Wizard of Oz. I take my kids to Aladdin. I took my, my seven-year-old son to Aladdin because I went to see Aladdin in 94 at the movies and it was like life-changing. Mm. I took him to the stage show of Aladdin. He was bored out of his brains. He didn't care one scrap. He was like, why are we here? And I was so disappointed going, but, but this is like life-changing. He didn't have the same experience of Aladdin that I had. He didn't have the nostalgia. I had the nostalgia. And that's why you can see the timing on Disney shows. They bring out the stage show 20 years after they bring out the movie so that they're capturing the audience. The ticket buyer is the parent who was the child when it was first released. Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. There's a, there's a psychology to what they're doing. And the only time they've broken that rule is Frozen. And I think they broke that rule because Frozen was, Frozen was such a juggernaut. Mm. They knew that if they got that thing straight to Broadway, it would just be insane. And, and look, Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh do this. They bring Les Mis around. And everyone says, I've seen it. But what the reason they buy their ticket is they go, I remember how I felt when I first saw that show. So I will buy it again. I remember how I felt when I first saw Phantom or Cats or whatever it is. Nostalgia is the biggest driving force behind so much of the ticket sales of today. The success of Mamma Mia is nostalgia. ABBA, when I sing Dancing Queen, I remember the best <laughs> nights of my life, so I will buy a ticket. Priscilla, Muriel's Wedding, nostalgia. I remember watching those films in the 90s and they were landmark moments, so I will buy a ticket now to see it because nostalgia. I love Muriel Heslop. I love, you know, 
Priscilla. That's the nostalgia. That's the, the power of n- nostalgia. So there's your answer. There's that's the there's the conundrum for everybody. Is you know it's it's a it's about where you what campfire you're taking your story to. At its purest sense, it's take the work to the place where the people are gathered, gather a following, off you go. Once you're hit on Netflix, then you can take it to the theatre. But once you're hit on Netflix, maybe you don't even want to take it to the theatre, because the, the the next question to ask is, as a writer, what do you want? What are you actually wanting? Are you wanting the satisfaction of sitting in a theatre and seeing your show play out, even if no one's watching it? Or are you wanting to tell stories that resonate with people? I mean, shouldn't that be the answer? Shouldn't the answer be, I want to tell stories. I want to use this skill I have of of writing and composing. I want to tell stories through music and I want to tell them in a way that connects with people. If you are an artist that goes, I just want to tell stories, I don't care if anyone listens. I'm like, well, for want of a better word, that's just a wank. (laughs) That what you're doing there is saying, you might as well just write stuff in your lounge room for yourself and and have a great time doing it. You might as well just write stuff for your own consumption. But if you're going to put it into the world, surely your intention would be, I want to write something that connects and resonates. And if that's what you want to do, then your purpose is to take it to the place where the most number of people have the opportunity to connect with it. So we've got to get less attached to this thing of, no, it has to be the traditional theatre. It has to be on Broadway. I have to get to Broadway. You know, I think, and I think a lot of producers would agree with this these days, getting to Broadway as a goal, you'd sooner tip a bucket of money off a cliff. Like, getting to Broadway... Is, is sort of 70% suicide. It's, 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 it's a very difficult thing to do. So if you are saying this thing I'm writing is only valid if I one day get it to Broadway, I, I go, no, I, 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 think, I think you'd find Pasek and Paul are pretty thrilled with their effort with The Greatest Showman. I don't think they're weeping about it not being on Broadway. If, if anything, I think what Pasek and Paul are saying, people know who we are now because this thing went out into mass consumption. A lot more people know them for The Greatest Showman than they know them for Dogfight or um, Dear Dear Evan Hansen or Christmas Carol or, you know, a lot more people are aware of their work. Mm. It's resonated with more people because they they took it to the place where the people were. As writers, as artists, uh, isn't that what we're wanting to do? Aren't we fundamentally wanting to do something that connects? Isn't that the point? as a writer, as a director, as an actor, as a singer, as a dancer. We want to connect. We want to make a connection. If, if, if all you're doing is for the purpose of saying I did it in a theatre in front of three people, it's like, wasn't it storytelling? Wasn't the purpose to create something that resonated, to create something that the, that the people wanted? I've always subscribed to the idea that, you know, as entertainers, and I do believe that's what we are, People say we're artists, but I think at the core of it, we're entertainers. People want what we're selling because it entertains them. Mm-hmm. That makes us the court jester. Truth be told, we are the court jester in, in so many ways. I don't mean in the sense that we have to make everyone laugh, but I mean that we're, we're, we're at the beck and call of the audience. The, the audience decides what they want to see. 
we don't decide what the audience will be have bestowed upon them. You got to, you got to. It's like my kids asking for a story at night. I can tell them what I want to tell them, but at the end of the day, think about. I don't want to hear that one. You got to kind of be with your audience and and ascertain what do they want to hear, and do I have a story that can resonate and take it to them where they're at. I think there's too many people out there these days just writing stuff essentially for themselves, mm. which is perfectly fine if you are fine with that. <laughs> if, mm. It's perfectly fine if you are fine with it just being a, an exercise for yourself. If you want it to resonate, if you want it to connect, if, if, and if you want it to make you a living, you've got to, you've got to, go, to, the, go, to the, go to the place where it's going to play. Mm. But, you, but the thing is, and I think this in everything you do, not in just theatre or anything, I mean everything that happens in the world, you understand what's happening better when you go backwards, when you, when you go back into the history of things to go, how do we get here? Uh, the question to ask in some respects is, why theatre? Like, why theatre? What is theatre? Why do we do this thing? Why do we all go and sit in chairs and watch a stage and do all this stuff? Like, it, we're familiar with it now. Why do we do it? And, and that's where I go right back to the campfire. We go back because it was a way of storytelling. It's just, it's storytelling in its simplest, purest form. It's just, we love storytelling. Why do we go to the cinema? Tell me a story. Tell me a story. Why do we watch YouTube? Why do we watch Netflix? Tell me a story. Tell me a story. I just want you to tell me a story. It's like that purest thing as kids going to sleep at night, parents tell us a story. And as we grow up, we want more stories. I need another story. It's nighttime. Where's my story? And as kids, it's a, be- it's a bedtime story. And as adults, it's the theatre. It's the cinema. It's Netflix. It's television. When you understand the history, the genesis of why we're doing this thing, you kind of know the, me- the need you're meeting. You kind of understand what is this need that I'm meeting? What, what is this thing um, that I'm actually trying to get in on? You're a storyteller. You're a storyteller. And if no one wants to hear your stories, then you're a dreadful storyteller. <laughs> yeah, it's like you've got to at some point go, I have to tell a story that people want to hear. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to cater to your audience. It's not a bad thing that Disney is doing. You know, I don't personally want to go and see Frozen the musical but I know a hell of a lot of people who do. It's not a bad thing to cater to your audience. It's not a bad thing to write for an audience. Um, I don't want to turn on the television and watch one more episode of that 70s show or whatever, you know, what's the one about, um, there's some rubbish television on that is really popular. That one about, um, no, it's, I can't remember the name of it. What's it about? I don't even know, I don't watch it. It's always on though. Every time I turn the television on. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, thank you. It's I've on, never got into it. I've never got into it. It's the biggest show on television. Too, right? I have I've watched snippets to enough to go, I don't get this show. This is obviously it's not for we me. Don't work in an office. I don't know what it's it's maybe because I don't have a sense of humor, or maybe they don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I don't know. But God bless them. It's the biggest show on television. It's huge. It is huge and it's constantly on replay. I don't love it, but that's not to say that people don't. I'm not into that, you know. And I think that's sometimes what happens with artists writers, you know, people who are serious about their craft, they see some things that are being successful, like The Big Bang Theory, like Frozen, and they sort of turn their nose up and go, oh, it's so commercial. Oh, it's just catering to the masses. And I go, yeah, like, that's what the people want. Mm. Give the people what they want. And when you do that, you have the ability in giving them what they want to do that in a way that has your own flavour and, and, but demanding that the people come to you, wow, that's a really stupid business model. That's just the dumbest business model ever. 
It's like, I'm over here writing something really awesome. So everybody, please come over and see it. I'm like, nah, bored, not interested. Like, no, I will not come to you. You can come to me. You can, like, that's the, the, the mass today. Say, you, you, can, you meet me where I'm at. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not meeting you. You meet me where I am at. And that is the lesson for all emerging creators, whether you be producer, writer, director, whoever it is, you know. Gotta go, gotta, gotta meet the people where they're at. No point putting something on that only you wanna see, unless you're willing to pay for it. There's a part of it where you go, but that is what you're aspiring to if what you aspire to is the traditional method. That's right. If you're aspiring to Lloyd Webber success, that's finished now. Yeah. That is finished now. I mean, let's talk about Lloyd Webber for a second because you've got to watch what he did. I mean, he was smart in the 70s because uh, Superstar was a concept album before it was a show. Mm. And that was in the 70s when the music industry was at its absolute peak where there was no iTunes, no Spotify, no streaming. Everyone had to buy a record and people were buying records. It was it was the thing to do. Music was the thing. So he put this record out that used the most popular style of music at the time, rock music in the 70s, and he said, this is a rock musical. And people went, I don't care, it's a record, it's rock. It says something about Jesus on the front, that sounds a bit subversive and back to front and cool. Put it on my record player, I'm, in, I'm on board. And they fell in love with the music, Mm. and then they went to see the show. So he used the same pathway to the theatre that I am sort of suggesting that Hugh Jackman has just done with The Greatest Showman or that Disney did with Frozen, of saying, go where the people are, speak to them in their language, and then you take them to the theatre. Mm. He did the same thing, and he did it with Phantom. He released the song Phantom of the Opera as a pop song with was it Cliff Richard or something. He, he, he repeatedly did it. He repeatedly reached out to his audience via popular music and then channeled them to the theatre. And then everyone copied. Uh, uh, Godspell, uh, Hair, Tommy the Musical were all kind of release out. Everyone was releasing concept albums of musicals they'd written and getting it into the popular music and then channeling it to the theatre. And, and truth be told, Lloyd Webber wasn't the first one to do it necessarily because Rodgers and Hammerstein were popular music in their time. They were on the charts. It was just what he did was, was rock music. He used mm. the new style of music. He went and gathered the Woodstock crowd who weren't going to the theatre. And he said, come to the theatre, listen to Jesus Christ Superstar, listen to the thing, you know. If you yourself are trying to follow that specific method now, no one buys an album these days. No one's no one's receiving, there's no money in that. There's no- This is exactly what I'm realising at this minute. At, uh, yeah, this is- That minute. the model that I've tried literally is was an Andrew old model. It's yeah. an old model. Yeah. The, the equivalent of it today is YouTube. Yeah. The equivalent of it today is streaming that you put your work on the platform where people, it, it's Harry Potter the musical, it's Harry mm. Potter whatever it's called, that musical. You put your work where people can readily find it mm. at minimal cost and it's speaking their language and you gather your following and you channel them to the theatre. And I would not say that is an automatic process. I don't think just anything you put on YouTube has success. But that's where the people are. Mm. People in the 70s were in the record stores. 
That's they were in the record stores. That was the way to get to a mass audience was meet them where they're at. They were at the record stores. They were plugged into that kind of mindset. They were listening to the radio. God, the power of radio and television in the in the 70s, 80s, 90s was enormous. Not so much today. Totally changed. Putting a song on the radio these days is not the way to get no. You know, and the music industry has changed. It, it, it's hard to be a new artist these days. The, the struggle you have as a new writer is the same struggle that new pop stars are having these days because where do you put yourself? No one's listening to the radio anymore. No one's watching television. How, where, how do you break out as an artist? And the answer to that question is Justin Bieber. The answer to that question is YouTube. The answer to that question is you gather a, a Cody Simpson, um, Troy Sivan, you gather your following on social media. You gather your following on YouTube, where we used to gather our following on, you know, people appearing on television shows or, or you know, selling or putting a record out. It, yeah, it's a different world. So you cannot apply the old method no. to today because, my friend, the world has changed. Yeah. It's... And we have to too. That's the... That's the answer. And I think when you get to that answer and you let your perception or concept sort of change, mm. the way forward, I think, is abundantly clear but really different. It's just because it's what you're laying what you're out thinking. is yeah. reaching people. It's, it's, That's what you're saying. How do you reach people? nothing different than anybody has people? ever and, done ever. And how do they want to be reached? Mm. They don't mm. want you to say, my show's on at the theatre down the road, it's 100 bucks. They're like, yeah, great, I'm not coming. Yeah, I'm not coming. Even your friends aren't coming. Like that's it's even the point now. Where even your friends are like, do I have to go out? You know. But the the music industry works like this, where you basically release your album, with the understanding that you will essentially make no money from that album. You will make money from your tour. So you release the album and you put it on Spotify and you make it as readily available as you can for as little cost as you can because people aren't buying. They're on Apple Music, they're on Spotify, mm. they're on YouTube, they're streaming, they're not paying for your music. But if they like your music, they're more inclined to buy a ticket to your concert. Mm. So you make your money after you've made it readily available for free and they come to see you in person because they've grown to like you for free. It used to be that you made your money in the first instance by people saying, I need that record, the only way I can get it is actually by buying the record. That's not the case anymore and I think the same is with a new musical that essentially these days people aren't going to pay to hear what you're up to. They'll click on your YouTube video for free. Mm. When you say, here's my new song, they'll click and go, whoa, that's awesome. Is there a show on? Can I see this somewhere? Um, it's tough to be because I think you need to learn how to do your craft Yeah. in the theatre. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but yes. I mean, I, I feel for the people coming up now that are just yes. starting out because yeah. I've had a whole bunch of stuff and opportunities. Yes. But, but, like, but hold the phone with that. You need to going, learn your craft but, in the theatre, but I go, no, what if the thing you, you are achieve- creating never has a life in the theatre? But to be able to write, but well, yeah, because I guess. Like I would, Harry, Harry I would say The Greatest Showman was not written for the theatre, it was written, written for yeah. the screen. When it goes to the theatre eventually, it will be rewritten. Moulin yeah. Rouge has been heavily rewritten. It's not, you know, yeah, I, I, at, the, at the beginning, what you were doing is saying, I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm a composer. Yeah. I can write a pop song as much as I can write a musical. This thing I'm creating now that's going to have this life on the internet is a 
is a online version of what I one day will create in a theatrical space. But really at the beginning, I'm trying to bring you on this journey. I'm trying to get you invested in what I'm doing. I'm trying to give you the taste of what I'm doing so you might then come with me. Mm. If you can online get people to go, that video I clicked on was so awesome. That song you sang, I don't know if recently you saw, um, it was going around on Facebook, there was footage of a production of Hunchback of Notre Dame somewhere in America where there was a guy doing sign language playing the Hunchback. Everybody was sharing it. And it, I was like, I just want to get to see that show. It was over in America. But I thought, what brilliant marketing. They just were getting people on board with the idea of what was going on in their show. Mm. That's And it was free. I could see it at no cost. That's how you find your way into people's minds these days is you have to find the way. And look, I don't have the funding model for this because really what I am saying is there's no money up front. There's no, the beginning of this is slogging it out for free to get the thing online, oh. to get the groundswell growing in the hope that there will be something up ahead. Um, 100%. It's hard. You're basically, it's the same what they're saying to pop stars. You're going to invest a lot of money in your album in the hope that it resonates so you can then have a concert tour. Because all these things go. took so much money to create in the fostering yeah. of it. I mean, look at yeah. Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie Wonder. He didn't just do that in three weeks. Yeah, yes. Yes. And that was lucrative then after yes. spending a year after making spending that, time doing it. But now the model is, well, you can't spend that much time. It's almost yeah. like going back to the cave. But the other thing that I can say about the social media aspect or the YouTube aspect of it is I think to get something ready to be put on YouTube is, is really low cost these days. I mean, if you have a, a Mac computer with Pro Tools and a microphone, you can record a symphonic version of your song with an artist at essentially no cost. Put, get your iPhone and film the thing. And like, there are ways that are very low cost to get a high quality something up online without investing an awful lot. Mm. There are ways to do it. And the only thing you've really spent money on is your time. So I don't think, and again, using Miranda Sings as the example, she's the queen of an empire these days. At the beginning, it was just time. It was time that she spent on putting things on YouTube and gathering a following that then amounted to a Netflix show and a, and a book deal and all of those sorts of things. Mm. I think it's following the pathway of that is the way of things these days. You invest up front. I think another example is Zach King. I love his stuff on the internet. He's that guy who makes magic videos mm. and stuff. He's got like, what it, at the beginning, he was just a kid with Final Cut Pro mucking around, you know, putting out videos that people like, gathered a following. And once the following was gathered, came the endorsements, came the da-da-da, all of those sorts of things. The, the way of the future seems to be put your work out there, let it grow a following, and, and then, um, then the, the rest follows. You know, then Make the rest, your move then. Maybe, then. Then you go, well, now we have a following, maybe we could do something with this. Maybe yeah. we could monetize this now somehow. I, I think Miranda Sings is the example. Uh, I mean, her Netflix show was monetizing her success from YouTube. Mm. That that was her play. Whether it worked or not, you have to ask her. But I would say for her bank account, it definitely worked. She got Netflix to pay her money to make a show. Who cares if anyone watched it? <laughs> from her perspective, it, it, you know, she got what she wanted, which was it monetized all of that effort in building up that following. Mm. You've got to build the, the the following. That's That's what it comes down to. How do you build the following? How did Lloyd Webber build a following? In the record store. The record store doesn't exist anymore. Now we have YouTube. Now we have Instagram. Now we have Facebook. Now we have social media. 
and, and people live there. That's where you have to be, being, creating content that people can get on board with, that people want to share. The power of, of the share button can give you access to everyone on the planet. If what you're doing is share worthy, you know, you can, get, you can go global like that. So that's what you're working towards. That's how I see it. That's what, you're not work, walking, working towards your Broadway opening. You're working towards shareability. <laughs> that's, that's what you're working towards, shareability on the internet for free. And, and that gives you the platform then to do what you want to do. I think what's, what's interesting and I, the reason I'm interested in how people's perspective is I think, I mean, I suppose I'm speaking as a producer, but I actually think what I'm more speaking of is, a, is a, as a marketer. I think I'm speaking mm-hmm. about the perspective of how to take what you're doing to the people. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to hear the perspective of people who are writing. I mean, I know having spoken to Eddie Perfect, um, I, I even know, you know, in some respects having, having spoken to um, Karma, Karma, Karma Pavel, uh, Pavlovich from Global Creatures about her journey with Strictly and different things like that, and those sort of conversations. They have different frustrations, mm. you know. I think Eddie's frustration would be, not to speak on his behalf, but to sort of paraphrase his frustration, I well, think, we would be... Anyway, would we? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can probably, but I think oh. his frustration is certainly in Australia, lack of embracing of new ideas mm-hmm. and there's not enough of a platform for this sort of thing, so he finds himself in America. Yep. I'd be interested to hear other people's perspective on on this thing. I do think a lot of the people I hear from or what I, a lot of I see, there's a lot of there's a lot of complaining about lack of support. I, you hear that a lot. People don't support new music. People should support new musicals. Mm. Why? I, you know, and I look at that and go, stop, stop whinging, yeah, <laughs> and pay attention to why. Why don't people support? Maybe. That's the question and answer, not, I'm doing a show, you should support me. Why? Why should I? Mm. That's, the, that's the bigger question. I think it's a tremendous question to I'm, ask. I'm because, fascinated to hear other people's perspective on it. Because, like, you've got to, you know, you have things you're passionate about and you have to write ideas and you have to write things to learn how to do your thing. Yeah. But the thing that I found is that people have an enjoyable experience with my work. So you yes. go, well, keep going then. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time. No, you know, no. And people, people have these moments where they go, that is so amazing. And you have that sometimes. Sometimes you have, that was really great. So you go, okay, keep going, keep going. Yeah, but yeah. the thing you're saying is once you know that, yes. how do you... How, well, you, the thing you just said that really connected with me is you said, I know, well, what you basically said was once I get people in the room, they have an enjoyable experience with my music. Like yeah. if I can just get them to hear it, they, it resonates. We only got 70 people to come to Oasis when we did the last development at Home of the Arts. Yeah. And it was like all of them loved it. They're like, how do we not know this show? How yes. are you not more how are successful? You not, yeah, correct. And, and I say, and, well, we don't have $17 million to put this on. Uh-huh. But you know what? If I'm you had, about the movie from if our you conversation. Had $17 million <laughs> to put Oasis on. You're right, I'd make you, the film. You would You're lose... Right money putting on in the theatre. The, the, the audience aren't coming, even if you have 17 million. Money is not the answer. Yeah. Money is not the answer. Because what you're saying there is, you're going to use $17 million to tell all the people to come and see something that they're, they're, they don't know anything about. What, how are you, just having money. I mean, mm. I've had that before as a producer. where You can put as many ads on television as you like, but if people don't want to see your show, they don't want to see your show. It doesn't matter if you've got... $20 billion to put on every bus and every taxi and whatever. If they don't want to see it, 
They don't want, if they're not, if they're not coming, you can't stop them. That's the end of it. If they're not coming, you can't stop them. You cannot make people pay money for something that they are not interested in. You just can't do it. If it is free and it's on their device, I'll click it. And if all they have to listen to is the first 15 seconds and they're hooked, you've got them. By what you just said, that if I can get people to the table, they love it, you need to be on social media. You need to have a strong social media, you need a YouTube channel, you need a Facebook page, and you need an Instagram account. Sharing your content because from what you just said, within 20 seconds of people connecting with your music, they're hooked. How can you hook them? On social media. Yeah. Not in the theater. Doesn't matter how much money you've got. I'm already finding people in the States yeah. are interacting. Yeah. Like, and Grammy winners and all yeah. these people going, yeah. this is a like, I'll watch this. Yes. But 100%. you just need that to happen yeah. enough yes. that then people yeah. know who you are. But you could, correct. And also the algorithms of social media these days suggest that instead of putting $17 million into promoting your show that you're doing at the theatre, you could put $500 into, into boosting your video as a Facebook ad mm. to go into and it's going to reach more people and gather more likes and get you more popularity. You can put your money that you have into using those platforms to market what you're mm. doing. Mm. It's going to be a billion times cheaper than the Broadway production, but it's going to have a much greater effect of getting people to pay attention to what you're doing. It's the Justin Bieber method. It's the Troy Sivan method. It's the growing your following online and then bringing it into the real world or not. Maybe it it never comes to the real world because I tell you the future of the world is not in the real world. The future of the real world is online. The future of, of these things is in people's phones, on people's tablets, in that format. That's, that's where people are receiving this stuff. Um, that, that's, that's the absolute uh, truth of it. Um, you know, the, I mean, I could say this, this is really cynical, and I don't know this to be true for sure, I don't quote me, but my understanding is that the bulk of the reason that Disney finds themselves on Broadway it's not because it's a huge money-making machine necessarily, although it does make them money. It's because it's it's extending their brand and selling them toys. That that's what it's doing. There are, um, I I know that when I know for a fact that there is a I'm not going to say the name. There's this ice show that's going around. Let's just say that makes more money on merchandise than it does on ticket sales. And my understanding is that the Broadway model is a very similar thing where it's an expensive marketing exercise to say, buy this Elsa doll, buy this Elsa costume, buy the da-da-da-da-da. There's a bigger thing at play when you're looking at those big guns there that they are essentially ensuring that they can sell merch. And again, let's look over to Star Wars and Marvel. They're doing the same thing. They're making more money on merch than they are on their films. It's That's their thing. So they're using a similar sort of algorithm to what I'm saying with online to sort of say it's not, um, it's the traditional way of buy a ticket to see my show is not how you monetize what you're doing. It's not how you fund what you're doing. It's um, you're gathering an audience that's willing to come to the party with you Mm. in what you're doing. So that's, that's that's the message, gathering gathering your audience. Um, If you had a global following of a million people on Facebook, you'd be able to put something on and people would come see it. 
but you've got to get that following. Mm. You invest in that. You need the content to get. And you need the content. But I'm already but thinking that's not what hard. you said. With this any that's moment not thing, hard. it's not necessarily just about, like, I think the pre-sale has been a great exercise. Yeah. It's been a huge learning. It's also, yeah. but I think trying to coordinate, I was like a couple of times I sort yeah. of zoned out because my mind's going tick, 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 I know, tick, you're tick, thinking tick, about tick, other tick. things, yeah, yeah, Just yeah. every now and again I sort of yeah. went, no, I had to go, no, 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 come yeah, back. Yeah, come, come back, back. Come listen, back to listen, the room, come back to the room. Yeah. I think aligning with some film production company and saying, all right, you need stuff yeah. to make. We want to make stuff. Correct. Let's make a short yeah. for every one of these songs that we're releasing. Correct. Yeah. And make it like we're making mini, but you know, mini, mini but musicals. But you know, the, for the each first one. thing is, is, is the first thing is, um, the, you know, the beauty of what we have these days. You don't need. You don't need Netflix to mm. grow your following. I, I come back to Miranda Sings. She had a YouTube account. She didn't need anybody else. Mm. to grow a following of millions of people. Mm. It used to be that what you needed as a writer was an investor or a producer. They were the gateway to what you wanted to do. Your writing was nothing till someone picked you up and took you to the platform. You have the platform now with a YouTube channel, an iPhone, a microphone and a MacBook. You've got the platform. You don't need an intermediary to get to the people. You've got a Facebook account, an Instagram account and a YouTube account and none of them have cost you a cent. You've already got your MacBook, you've got your microphone, you've got your iPhone. I would start by going, set up the phone on the piano, I'm going to record me singing some of my songs and put them on the internet. And that's today's job. <laughs> Hasn't cost you a cent beyond your time. And what it is doing is putting your work into the marketplace where people can follow it, where people can find it, where people can click on it, where people can like it. And then you can expand yourself to asking others to record music with you, even asking other people who may already have their own following to record things with you. Know, you're, that's, you're growing a following all the time, growing interest in what you're doing, that you're, you're releasing a video a week and people are making a date to watch the next video. That's how it works these days. YouTube operates that way, where it's like I release another video every Tuesday and every Thursday. That's how Miranda Sings does it. Every Tuesday and Thursday, you can expect some more from Miranda. And YouTubers are waiting for it. They're like, it's Tuesday, another Miranda video. Hooray, something for me to share. You can be doing that exact same thing. And I'm not talking about the finished version of your musical. I'm talking about releasing song by song. Here's the next thing I'm working on. Tell me if you like it, comment, click, share, tell your friends, gather the following, gather the following, more content, more content. You have no shortage of content. You as a writer have no shortage of content and you have an iPhone and you have a microphone and you have a laptop and you like you have the means to do this right now to start growing a, a, a following of people. You don't need to jump to a film producer or a Netflix deal. That can come. The first step is grow your following and that is the thing. That's what you have that Lloyd Webber did not have. He needed a record company. He needed an intermediary to get him into the record store. He needed the record store. Your record store is YouTube and they're really happy to have you. <laughs> you, don't, you know what I mean? You can get in there now, straight away. And on top of that, you can use their algorithms to boost your post, put 50 bucks on it, and suddenly 5,000 people have seen it for 50 bucks. You've grown your following, grown your likes. Grown. That's the, 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 the marketing way of getting your, your work into the marketplace, um, 
grow your following, grow your following, grow your following. And when you have grown your following to the place where you have the attention of a million people, that's when Netflix says, oh, people seem interested in you, come over here. They need content too. And, and they want your audience. And you've just done this by releasing one of your songs every Tuesday and every Thursday. And it hasn't cost you anything beyond your time. And I, I'm not suggesting that that's the easy road, that, you know, people might not care. <laughs> but that is the road. That's the, that's the world these days. That is the way that people are engaging. That is the way that people are engaging. That's the, that's the future. If I was you, that's what I'd be doing. If I was you and not busy running this company, <laughs> not busy putting on the arena shows and whatever, I'd be every Tuesday and Thursday putting something on the internet, mm. gathering a following, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, connecting with people, gathering a following and never asking them for a cent, never asking them for anything until I had gathered such a following that I could say, hey, my show's on in blah and a million people hear about it because you post it on your social media. It's not actually hard to gather followers if you're putting out interesting stuff. Mm. Mind blown. Go have a nap now. <laughs> it's like, I need to have a sleep process. No, no, not a sleep. I need to go get to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. I, w- I wish I had your talent, because I, that is what I would do. I just don't, I just don't have that skill and I'm pretty busy. <laughs> but if, I, but I if hear I, there's quite like a number of things I, you guys are doing. But if I wasn't this busy, that's, that's what I'd be doing. But set up the process is it, I think it's, the biggest thing. It's I'm not like, that it's hard. so easy. Record it's 10 so, songs one day, you have yes, seven, you've got seven weeks of seven stuff. weeks of material. Five weeks like five weeks of whatever you've got, yeah, you know. Yeah. You've got so much material, you know. And, and you know the other thing? being prepared to put stuff out that's not brilliant either. Mm. It, it, it's, it's about, it's about um, mass content. Mm. You go look at Miranda Singh's videos, half of them, are, you go, oh, she was struggling for ideas that way. <laughs> but it's keeping the engagement. It's keeping the engagement. It's yeah. keeping connected with the people and not letting up and staying present and staying constant and mm. saying, I'm a force to be reckoned with. I'll be here every Tuesday, every Thursday. Something new will be coming from me. Check in. It's worth following. There'll be new stuff. Don't let it wane. That doesn't take you anything other than the bravery of sticking it out there. Yeah. And then you build and build and build. Go look at Todrick Hall. He's a one too. You know Todrick Hall? No. Oh, get in on him. He's huge. And he's a guy, yeah, go, go look at what he's up to. He's on YouTube and he just did a tour of Australia. Packed out. Miranda Singh's the same thing, tour of Australia. They're YouTubers. They're just YouTube people who've made their name on YouTube and then gone to Netflix or television, but they started on social media. Mm. They started on social media because that's where the people are and it's the easiest way to build a following. Mm. That is what you should be doing. That is absolutely, I would not be wasting another second trying to get anything into a theatre anywhere. Mm. I, I honestly wouldn't. I wouldn't be wasting another second. I'd be thinking about how can I get this thing that I'm doing out into the, into the, the free marketplace where everyone is, mm. which is YouTube. Um, how can I film this and give access to people to see this process of this new musical? Because I know for me, just even for me personally, if you say to me, the workshop of my new show is on down at the theatre, 
can you come? I go, oh, God, I was going to sit at home tonight and do nothing. <laughs> I don't want to sit I don't want to. I don't want to know, but I will watch it on my YouTube. I, I, if you send me the link to it, and particularly, and this is the other thing, if you send me a link and it's 90 minutes long, I'm like, don't, got no time. If you send me a three-minute video of the best bit or the highlights, I'm on board. Mm. I'm, I'll say, that was brilliant because I have three minutes to give you. Maybe you don't have 90 minutes and a car trip and a parking ticket and a blah, 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 blah. But I, you give it to me in small pieces, I'm going to watch everything you put out. I will watch a three-minute video every week until I've seen your full musical. <laughs> <laughs> and so will the rest of the world. Like people will watch it. It might be an idea actually to start something that's solely there. Yeah. Like so maybe start but, but releasing this is what material. I'm saying. But like I, I'm thinking about to it going, something. you know, do you know Postmodern Jukebox? Are you yeah. familiar their YouTube? I mean that they they But it could be a musical in which you so have, many which examples. you write yes. on YouTube to, to release in small in which people grabs are involved. And every and every week here's another bit. Come in next week and see the next bit. Come in next week and see the next bit. Uh, that's people. Are, that's how people are receiving content. Um, Randy Rainbow, you know Randy Rainbow, who does yeah, the political yeah, yeah, yeah. genius. The whole world is watching his videos. The whole world is watching his video. I mean, everybody I know shares those things. Yeah, he makes them in his living room. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's just making that himself. Yeah. He just does that himself. He's got his own little blue screen, his own little camera, recording on a thing, and out to the world. And I guarantee you, if I heard that Randy Rainbow was doing a concert down the street, I would be there. Mm. I would be there in a heartbeat. I would be there. I only know him because he's in my Facebook feed. And every time I see one of his videos, I go, oh, this will be good. That's, that's the world. To, Randy Rainbow is the new Lloyd Webber. <laughs> and, you know. I think we and, found a new title. Yeah, for that's like, <laughs> it's, that's, it's the new, but it's the new thing. And, and so is Miranda Sings and so is Glozell or so is Todrick Hall or all those people who are, who mm. are, releasing their material on YouTube, that is the new way. That is the way that this, the, 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 the next generation is receiving information. That is where Netflix is looking for mm. their next piece of content. And so that's where you need to be. Fascinating idea about writing a show solely through that and sharing it. It's a show for a YouTube. Fascinating. Wouldn't that be fascinating? But, but well, it, it, it would be, but I would also say it, not like, a new idea has Harry mm. Potter the whatever that thing's called it's it's you know people have done that it's mm. i i would point to that as i'm going to see if i can get in touch with those guys actually. you should that would be really fascinating to, to find out to, but i tell to, you to, it, it was them. the beginning for i mean Darren Chris that's where he started he was Harry Potter in that youtube musical and now he's Darren Chris that i mean that was the beginning of his career essentially he became notorious through that i mean i i saw Miranda sings on the Stephen Colbert show the other night i'm like that girl I used to see doing stupid YouTube videos is now on the Stephen Colbert show. You know, like she's we are on literally giving her Jimmy Fallon minutes. and stuff. And she, yeah, like she's literally <laughs> g- g- sits in the same chair that Kate Blanchett sits in, and she's a YouTuber. Mm. I, it's 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 mind blowing to me, but that tells you about the way the way of the world. That tells you about how these things are playing out now. Is is the way for you to find your voice is to make it readily available through social media and be committed to that, to committed to being present on social mm. media. Um, and even if you want to live in the real world, I think you need to develop a presence there as well. Or yes. Just, or yeah. Just, yeah. I think. But, but, but the way 
to thrive in the real world these days is to be able to draw back on so people come to see you in the real world because they've already had an experience of you yeah. whether it's in a movie in a book in a something for you who doesn't have a movie or a book or whatever what you yeah. have and it's so you have this amazing social media platform that the world has never had prior to now you've always needed an intermediary and you don't anymore mm. you don't need a producer you don't need an investor you don't even need money these days yeah you need an iphone a computer a microphone and a laptop and that and an internet connection and and that's that's the beginning of what you need to get people to resonate mm. with what you're doing that's that is all you need and and mucking around with hiring a theater and all of those things as your starting point is not your smartest move in this day and age it's just it's just not your smartest move in this day and age it's 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 not yeah you're 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 reaching your smallest audience by doing that you would be far smarter to gather your following gather your following gather your following gather your following and once you've gathered your following they will follow you wherever you want to go and it will open the door to an international audience mm. for your work. That's the beauty of social media too. It's not just where you live. It's not just down the street. When you hire a theatre, it's, it's the local people that hear about it. Mm. When you're on the internet, it's a global audience. Mm. There's, a, there's a global demand for that sort of stuff, you know. Mm. Um, different way of thinking. Mm. Like, different, different way of thinking, but that is the way. Different, new model. But I can even see it with the videos that we made for getting ready for Little Princess. We yeah. did stuff with Shubshri or with whoever, Trevor. Yep. Whoever, Trevor, that's how like I said that on purpose. I but, know, that's a great little name, yeah. But they, 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 those little bits reached out and it was literally just an iPhone yep. and just a really great bit. And yep. people would go, that sounds wicked. That, people that, correct. That, that never would have even that cared. That would never have stepped foot in the theatre to see it when I heard that and thought it was really good. Yeah. And it was in a bite-sized format. 30 seconds? 30 seconds. The, big, the, the, the bit Correct. that I was like, I love this movie. 30 seconds and people went, whoa, and that resonated and people are like, I like what you're doing. Yeah. If you released 10 minutes, you would have had no clicks. But if you released two to three minutes, even even 30 seconds, 90 seconds, like something that people can manage yeah. in increments, you watch. Uh, it, 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 people will be excited about what you're doing because they have access to it. Mm. It's this is, why, this is why when I think like this, I go, when I hear people moaning about people don't embrace new musicals, I actually go, you, you, we have this amazing platform we've never had before that as a, as a, just a person sitting in your bedroom, you can unleash on the world your music for free like you never could before. Yeah. What are we complaining about? We, we've got it all. Mm, <laughs> we've mm. got this incredible platform. Mm. I think people don't know how to use it and they're looking for success in a traditional format and that's just not where it is. I think a lot of people have problem with content though because they don't yep. make things. They, I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm a rarity in that I can produce quite a lot. Yep. But, but then again, you have to work really hard for that. I yep. know you know that too. Yep, correct. Con content is hard, but as I'm saying... I've got to build up. That's what you have to think about. You have to go, I have to build content and I have to commit to consistency of content. It's no point going for three weeks I'll put stuff up and then I'll vanish for the next year. It's, there has to yeah, be a consistency right. um, of, of releasing stuff that people can share. I know the, uh, I don't know if you know the piano guys, remember yeah, the piano yeah. guys? That for ages there, they were consistently releasing another shareable video. And now video. the convention center. Exactly, and, and, and now go... you go and buy their stuff and they're this huge, they've got this huge following, but they built that on YouTube for mm. free with their 
Star Wars thing, you know, or their mm. Batman thing or whatever they did. Yeah. They built that on YouTube and it was clickable, shareable content that people wanted to pay attention to. And then people bought their albums and then people come to their shows mm. and now they're laughing. Mm. That's, the, that's the model as far as I can see. Mm. That's, that's the way to be, to be doing it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't require you to have to have a rich friend or a rich investor or a theatre that will give you space. Or going to pre-purchase or, your record. Or people who will pre-purchase your record because, you know, people aren't going to do that. It, I, I mean, you'd say to yourself, I wouldn't do it. No, that's what You wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's no, not right, a thing. I probably wouldn't. Wouldn't. You'd, like, you go, yeah, I'm glad you're writing a musical. I, I, so am I. I don't care. I'm not going to yeah. give 20 bucks to everyone who's writing a musical. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks when I know I want to see what you're putting out. And the only way I'll know if I want to see it is if you've put it out there for me to see. Yeah. Once I know I'm going to love this, then I will part with my money. Well, if I did it over again, what we would have done is we should have built up all the content which we have. Mm. But now we've got 17 days left of this thing when if we'd started the campaign yeah. with all the content ready to go out, yeah. Yeah. we really could have... Because the you, material's you may have the seen material's that, Yeah, if the material is good and it's freely available, then you might have found that people went, yeah, sure, I'll buy into that, you know. Because they, I want to hear another song yeah. now. I want to hear another. Yeah. But yeah. now that we're like... Yeah. Oh, guys. It's the same principle of, I mean, people, again, going back into history... The reason we have video clips for pop stars was because that was a way to give people access into your music mm. using television. It was mm. a way of saying, how can we draw your attention for mm. free so you'd watch Rage or you'd watch MTV or you'd watch whatever it was and you'd watch the video clip and you go, oh, I love that, I'll go buy the album. Yeah. We're talking about the same thing, different medium and cheaper. Same idea, different medium and accessible and cheaper. It used to be to get yourself on MTV, you had to have a record company, you had to have a budget. Now, to get yourself on YouTube, social media or Instagram, Facebook, you just laptop on an iPhone. Yeah. And your content's out there and then people go, I love what you're doing, I saw your clip, now I'll buy for your concert. Yeah. Or now I'll download from iTunes or I'll blah, 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 blah. You know, I'll buy into what you're doing because I've seen it and I like it and I'm in. Yeah. Use the platform. Use, use the platform. That's the idea. Yeah. You, I can see your eye, your brain is like. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm already trying to, I'm literally grasping. Oh, the error grasping, of my ways. I'm yes. Like, I'm grasping yeah. at what can I, what can I do to process tomorrow? Tomorrow. Well, all of it because you've, there's nothing stopping you doing it all now, essentially. Yeah. Um, nothing. That All of it can be done. Other than know. finishing this record, no one's going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly right. But like, we're building up where, all the content. Where are you putting your We've already started. Yeah. I've already, but we, I have already started. But like, you know, that's the thing. Insta stories and it's all this There's sort of stuff. There's something that makes you feel good about saying, we've recorded the album. There's something about it that makes you feel good that goes, oh, um, well, the show had its premiere. That, like it's a, it feels like an achievement. Truth be told, though, recording the album while it is an achievement, if no one buys it, you haven't moved forward. You haven't mm. actually connected with the people you are most trying to connect with. You've made yourself feel like you've done something. I've certainly learned a lot. And, and 100%. And part of it is and to Also, you've documented it. I mean, it's there. It exists and it lives and somewhere. The, I'm orchestrating it all, so I was like, I Correct. wanted to do all that. Correct, but yeah. You're right. We get to the end, and it's literally. I was thinking yeah. about songs of uh, songs of a new world today because I think I was just looking at it because this is a song cycle too, and I thought, yeah, that literally sat on the shelf, yeah, 
for years until people enough people knew of it. We would have talked about it. You go, I heard about this show. I think I've heard about this songs. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now yep. everyone knows it. Yep. But remember, for six, seven years for there. For ages, it was, yeah. But, well, people but came back to that. They stores, though, yeah, to yeah, buy yes, it. They yes, don't anymore. Yeah, they don't. So now that we've got it, no, I think don't. this is a great thing for us, for me to hear, to go, okay, yeah. And we've got like Lawrence, Lauren McKenna's doing yeah, it. Great. Yeah, great. Yeah, so yeah, great, we've got great, so great. like so many people, and too, yeah. because people like want to do something new, and they know that I'm not going to write a shit song for them. Yep. 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 But yep. We, yep. Exactly. Right, we have to. How do we anyway? But see, the power of that is too. I mean, I would look at that immediately and go, okay, so you've got Lauren McKenna singing one of your songs for this show. I go the minute that that is readily available on YouTube for free. She will share it. You will share it, and you've just picked up every follow that she has. Yeah. And she has access to the whole industry who will all look at it and yeah. like immediately that will reach and I've, it's a good one too thousands more a, people give her a good but, but <laughs> and good on you because that will reach thousands more people than it would ever reach if you hired chapel off chapel and put on a showing you cannot underestimate the reach of social media you cannot underestimate yeah. the power of the click the power of the share button the power of that to mm. get this out into the ether um, but I almost need to set up like long term a studio yeah. that has all this stuff built in so we can workshop and it's like, you know, yes. let's just let's just yep. grab a tape. Like and it, and, and it up be... it goes and whatever it is, yeah, exactly right. But it's it's the you're working towards shareable content that gathers you followers and people interested in your work that later down the track when the following is strong enough, you can monetize because when when that song with Lauren singing your song has had enough followers and people have shared it enough, when you say, now come to Chapel of Chapel and see her sing it live, they all go, I know the song. I'm I coming. can't wait. I can't wait I've to hear her. I've cried to it seven yeah, times. I'm going to come and hear that thing live yeah. as opposed to, what song? I don't know anything about this. Uh. Who's Brad McCall? You know, like why? Should, why does he want my why money? Why does he want my money? Why should I pay for that? You pay for it. What do you mean? It, what do you mean? Yeah. New work. Yeah, but but that's it. Oh, it's like it's new. Is it good? I don't know. You know, like that's true. That I have no idea. New work scares me. It could be rubbish. Mm. That's and I guess the sell which I did for all these guys was content. Yeah, I said we do this. It will sound great, yes. and we will all have more presence we'll, online. We will have a strong. I didn't yeah. sell it to Lauren because she's got far bigger followers than yeah. me. But I mean, yeah. at least. It's a studio track, which not everyone has. Uh-huh. A well-recorded track. That, yeah, yeah. Like 100%. But what you do with that is now the question, because if you recorded that for the purpose of selling albums, really what I would be thinking is, no, you record that album for the purpose of releasing it for free through social media. Yeah. So eventually people will come and see that show. I think, I think that's the... Like that, it's a long-term scenario that you say, I might not see the return on this for years yet. Mm. I'm going to build a following for this thing because everyone who's everyone is going to know what this and thing is. And once they're singing the songs at auditions, yeah. unis will then put it on. Correct. They're it's, it's permeating through. So people, yeah. you know, I mean, that is the, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to create that kind of a following. Um, oh, I think I've just, I think I just reached saturation point. Great. Just at that moment. I the, think you I, are I, my, my eyes went, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 but that is a lot. I mean, that is a lot to take in and it's, there's a lot. You could go figure all that out. But I think this is going to be... I'm 55 so episodes? I, no, I'm just so glad that I that this has started and people like yourself, yeah, great. you know, your mate, but still that you gave this time to this thing oh, that isn't even out yet. I you just know me, so I cool. would talk underwater about this stuff, so <laughs> it's no big I drama. I think people are going to learn a lot. Yeah, I think. I think it's great. This has been Ramble City, a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life and their careers. 
created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit OFM.com. Music